Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and for those of you that are new to our show, if you like that opening music, it's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band. Uh, As for myself, I am a daughter of a mother who lived with dementia for 30 years. Yep, you heard me right, 30 years. And I wouldn't have traded one moment of that time with her, and I know people think that that's kind of crazy, but she taught me so many beautiful lessons. And on today's show, we are going to be talking with Mike and Kim Barnes, who are really kind of stepping into that role of caring for their aging parents. But before I introduce you to them, I'm just going to do a few shout outs. So um, here on the show, we invite you to call in. We are live today. And that number is 323-870-4602. That's 323 323- Eight seven zero four six zero two, and uh, you know we are open to you asking questions or making a comment on the on the topic about caring for your parents or, or loved ones with dementia um, on that journey. I also am so proud we finally launched our new Alzheimer's Speaks website. So please go check it out. It's much easier to maneuver. In fact, we have one page uh, that's just titled. Free, uh, res- free educational resources. And on there, you can uh, get to all of our radio shows, our Dementia Chats interviews, uh, information on dementia-friendly communities, our poetry section, um, our arts in dementia, um, tools, memory cafes, and so much more. Uh, so please, you know, like, click, and share. Uh, give us some feedback. I know we still have a little tweaking to do, but that's the life of having a, having a website out there. There's, there's always more to do. Uh, I also want to give a shout out because the time frame is starting to close in now, but Maud's Ventures, who is giving fifty dollars to $100,000 in seed money for three different categories to improve life with dementia, uh, is going to be closing here mid-July. So you're going to want to check that out. If you have something stirring in your brain uh, that you think would be beneficial, please go to Maud's Ventures. Dot org. That's modsventures.org. And if you like camping in Wisconsin, the memory camp is going to be open from August 15th to the 18th. That'll be on Moon Beach. And you can call and get more information from them at 715-479-8255. That is 715-479-8255. And that is for people with uh, memory loss as well as their family. So it's a, it's a great way to get together. And if you also haven't checked out uh, either Dementia Map, which is our global resource directory, we've got 150 different categories you can uh, check out, plus a calendar of events, a blog, and a glossary of terms. That is free to access. And, uh, you know, if you have information you'd like listed, you can get a free listing there as well. And if you need more information, always feel free to reach out to me at radio at alzheimerspeaks.com. And uh, Saltbox TV, many people don't know about this, but it's a free online streaming service designed specifically for seniors. So check out saltboxTV.com. You'll find a lot of intriguing things there. We are going to hear from the foot bar walker, and then we're going to be back with our guests. I love the foot bar walker, and let me tell you why. 
It is the option for my toolbox that I've been waiting for. Let's be honest. There are some clients who, despite our best rehab efforts, just aren't able to return to performing a sit-to-stand transfer on their own. Now I can offer my caregivers an easier, safer option that doesn't involve hoisting their loved one up from a sitting position. I don't recommend this walker for all of my clients, but I do recommend this walker for those caregivers looking for an easier, safer option with transfers. I would also encourage other therapists to add this walker to their toolbox. It's kind of like having my own mobile parallel bars for the client to pull up on. Whether it's a family caregiver at home helping a loved one with Parkinson's or dementia, CNAs in a long-term care facility assisting their patients, or therapists adapting to client and caregiver-specific needs, we now have a very safe and effective option to offer in the Footbar Walker. Check this product out at thefootbarwalker.com. That's it for today from Adaptive Equipment and Caregiving Corner. Have a great day, and don't forget, if you can't do it, adapt it. I love that saying, if you can't do it, adapt it, because, boy, that gets to the heart of dementia and life in general. Now, today we are going to be talking with Mike and Kim Barnes, who over the last five years have found themselves navigating problems they never saw coming from their parents. And, boy, I can relate to that. Um, Things like Alzheimer's, pacemakers, COVID, pneumonia, and the tough decisions about do they move into a retirement community? I remember for myself, I always saw my folks as like 10 years younger because then I didn't have to deal with those types of issues. And then, boom, one day, my mom's got dementia, my dad's got brain cancer, and things changed in a heartbeat. So I can't wait to hear their story. Um, Mike and Kim have learned how to balance the many facets that so many of you know when you're dealing with aging parents. Things like medical and financial and everyday life decisions that can become a real emotional roller coaster as you work so hard to protect them from scams and all the different things that are happening in our world today. And they were doing all of that, like many, with kids at college age. And they were trying to build their own careers on top of it. So I I know a lot of you listening can feel the exhaustion just from hearing all of that because you've been there, you've done that, and you know how much work that is. Mike and Kim have each spent 30 years on TV. Uh, Kim's career included 15 years as an award-winning reporter and news anchor, and Mike includes 29 years as an award-winning sportscaster. Um, They have together realized that there are many adult children just like them going through these difficult trials and tribulations with their parents, and yet they really notice that nobody talks about this stuff and that most families like theirs were struggling in silence. And so that's why they created their community to provide information, resources, and support, which we're going to hear more about. So welcome, Mike and Kim. I'm thrilled you guys are here with us today. Thank you. We're so glad to be with you. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to have this conversation. Like I said, when I was kind of reading your intro, I felt the pain because I remember being there. And you do feel like you're just kind of broadsided um, because we're all kind of in denial. We don't want things to change. Everybody's moving on their paths and stuff. And then, and then boom, all of a sudden it just does hit. Now, I had mentioned um, in your intro uh, that Alzheimer's was a factor, but Um, You know, if you could each tell us a little bit about how you were touched by dementia, that would be wonderful. Yeah, I was first to be hit, I guess you could say. My uh, Alzheimer's kind of runs in my mom's family, and my mom first started showing signs of it about 10 years ago. And so it didn't surprise us. And as we all know, Alzheimer's is not an overnight disease, so it was very gradual at first. And about Seven years ago, roughly, my sister and I, I have one sister, and we, we approached my dad and said that that as things were getting worse for mom, that we thought it would be better for him because they lived about an hour outside of Dallas, kind of in the country, in a house all by themselves. And I said it would probably be best for you, dad, if y'all moved into independent living so that you don't have to worry about you know, get mom up, taking her out to breakfast, coming home, taking her out to lunch, coming home, taking her out to dinner. My dad doesn't cook, as you can tell. So because of that, 
it would, it, it would be better if you lived in independent living to where th- there are other people around, which would be good for mom, and meals are there in the cafeteria so you don't have to worry about going out all the time. And my dad was very agreeable, and they looked around. We found a place that was fairly close to where my sister lives, uh, just outside of Dallas, and moved there uh, about six years ago. And within two months, my dad's on the phone saying, son, this is the best move I've ever made. Thanks so much. I really appreciate this. Things wow. things were good. but. But mom's Alzheimer's was, you know, kept getting worse. And, and about three years ago now, uh, we talked to my dad again and said, you know, as as bad as mom's getting it, we don't want to lose both of y'all before you're supposed to, to go. And it was getting harder and harder on dad because of mom needing proverbial 24-7 care, watching her all the time. And she was getting getting so bad and said, we're going to have to move mom to memory care, but you're going to have to be behind it. 100% because if you're not, it's never going to work. If you decide, oh, I, I miss her, I'm going to go pick her up, I'm going to bring her home, or I'm going to take her to dinner or anything, it's just not going to work. So you've got to be behind it. So it, that was a long process. But but when he said, okay, I want y'all to take care of everything. Y'all, y'all find the place. I trust y'all. Y'all, you, you're, you know, me and my sister, y'all are, in, y'all are in charge. So my sister and I went and we looked at four memory care places very close to the independent living place where – my parents lived. And we realized going in, we felt very confident because my dad has had us set up for years where we've had a copy of their will, power of attorneys, medical directives, stuff like that. We've talked to him about finances, so we know how much he could basically afford for, for my mom. And we walk in thinking, okay, it's going to be like looking for an apartment. Let's see what, what looks like us. You know, how's the bathroom look? Okay, we're good. And we walked in feeling so overwhelmed. It was terrible because we didn't know what to look for, what questions to ask, if there were any red flags we should notice. And the good thing, bad thing, depending on how you want to look at it, is that we left one place and my sister got just a little emotional as she was talking about my mom and, and her, she, how he, she was going downhill with Alzheimer's. And when she got a little emotional, somebody there hugged her. And we left there going, oh, well, they were nice. <laughs> so because of that, that's where we wound up moving my mom. Yep, some place that because they, now that's that's not the place that's not why you should choose a place, mm-hmm. but we've been very lucky because my mom is still in that same place and they take such incredible care of her, and so that's what I've been dealing with. Well, having that emotional support is is a, is a nice piece of the puzzle though, but it can't like you said it can't be the only piece for sure. Yeah. Um, but but how calming and to know that they care for you as well as you know, whoever lives in the building, you know, having that, yeah. that circle, that team effect makes a big difference. Kim, how about you? I mean, I know you were, um, I'm sure in all of this, you know, with the journey with, with Mike's mom and in family as mm-hmm. well, but how about your family? We, yes, I've seen so much watching their family, you know, the, the Mike's and his family deal with this and, and being part of, you know, the, the team that I was there the day they, they moved his mom and, you know, I was staying with his dad to keep him, you know, calm while Mike and his sister went and dropped, dropped uh, off their mom and, and, you know, that transition. And it's been it's so interesting to watch my father-in-law's uh, understanding and just even their whole family learning better how to communicate with her and how to, to best help her. Uh, so that's been interesting on that perspective. My mom has been diagnosed with mixed dementia, and we are seeing, you know, just there's different challenges, right? She's also single, so that in, in and of itself creates different challenges because she doesn't have that spouse to be the caregiver like Mike's dad was for so long. And it's just been, it, it, you know, Mike elbows me a lot. He's like, she doesn't remember, you know, <laughs> trying to, as I'm saying, like, mom, remember, we've had that conversation. Mike's, because he's had more experience, you know, will, you know, give me a little elbow and say, you know, quit asking her that, quit saying that thing. But it is, it's so mind-blowing to me to, just to be able to kind of watch and, and <clears throat> frankly, so perplexing, actually, to try to figure out what, why is it that some things, you know, you even short-term memory, you know, you remember, and then other things we've been talking about for six months, and she's still asking me the same question. So it's been very fascinating for me just to kind of see how does that how does that happen. But I think by watching Mike's family and learning some of the things that we've learned to work better with his mom have helped give me some tools as well. But I'm sometimes better than others remembering to use 
uh, but certainly giving me more of those tools to try to help my mom as well. But, oh, my gosh, Kim, we all go through that. <laughs> you know, like when, when Mike would catch you, I, and I think it's always easier to see what someone else is doing than seeing what we're doing. But when you have oh, that sure. history, when you have that sure. history with that person, it makes a difference, too. And that's why so many times staff will say, you know, we don't see that in that person. You know, we don't see the loss because we saw them walk in at this level. And, you know, where families are grieving mm. and, and um, trying to be supportive and yet have to deal with their own emotions at the same time. You know, with all that, it, it's not it's not an easy thing to do. Um, I, I mm-hmm. wanted to ask, you guys have kind of stepped in and started this business in terms of building community and support, what was the trigger point with that? And I have to just let our audience know I'm probably not going to point questions to them so much because they're they're sitting in their house side by side sharing earbuds doing the interview, and and we all know that married couples can finish each other's sentences. So uh, <laughs> know, that, know, know that this know that this is planned <laughs> with this. Yes, yes. Um, really, really interested in because what I find. You know, I've been doing these interviews since, you know, 2011 with people all over the world, and there always seems to be a trigger point, something that just mm-hmm. hits you that says, nope, we got to do this. So what mm-hmm. was it for you guys? Yep. Yeah, my trigger point was was when I went up to the Dallas area and, and was with my sister looking for memory care places and feeling so overwhelmed. I came back. I came back home and I told Kim, I said, uh, you know, again, I, I was very confident that this was going to be easy. It's like looking for an apartment, which you know, I did in my younger days. This is no problem. And I felt so overwhelmed, even though I thought I was prepared. And I told Kim, I said, not to brag, but I feel like I felt prepared. And if I'm this overwhelmed, then most people aren't that prepared and are really overwhelmed. I just feel like that we should start some type of like a Facebook group just to help people to navigate these, these tough roads. And, and to be totally honest, when he first came up with the idea of, you know, wanting to start talking a lot about this, 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 you know, bringing up this conversation, I mean, to be totally honest, I was like, oh, man, this is hard stuff. I mean, this, this doesn't sound like fun stuff to talk about. And so <laughs> I was a little hesitant at first. And, and frankly, this was at the height of COVID and with our other on-camera training and, and virtual communication training business, we were, we were really busy. And so it was easy just to kind of think, okay, that sounds like a good idea, but let's just, you know, sort of put that on the back burner for, for now. And then, then what happened was when we moved, when they moved Mike's mom to memory care in March of 2021, 21, what I noticed is that he, after Mike posted just one thing on social media about what a tough day that was, what I picked up on was not only, of course, were people being super empathetic, of course, but what I really noticed was all the people who were commenting saying, oh, my gosh, I am right there with you. I've done this or I see it in my future. And at mm-hmm. that point, I just really started thinking more about the fact that you're right, partly, too, because of all the things that have been happening since Mike first brought up the idea and all the things that we've been going through with my mom. And, you know, we would have many a day where both of us would be sitting, I'd be sitting at my desk, he'd be sitting at his desk, and we are both talking to our parents, navigating some spammy email, or I'm talking to the bank because she's gotten scammed again, or Mike's trying to you know, set up a doctor's appointment or whatever. So all of that have been happening, and sometimes you just have to laugh because you think, oh, my gosh, this is in the middle of my work day. So all that to say, the combination of just what we had been experiencing over that time, and then especially, I mean, the moment when we saw the post uh, the, all those comments after Mike's mom moved to memory care, I said, you're right, you're right. And I have a real hard time admitting I'm wrong, so it was, it was hard. But he was right, and and I just said, you know, you're you're right. And I think that because people don't talk about it, there's a huge need, and let's just see if people are interested in being part of the conversation. Yeah, and when yeah. we started the group, and when we started the group on Facebook, uh, rather than just – starting a group and saying, okay, have at it, you know, hope you join and, and ask questions. We wanted to use our, our journalistic backgrounds and interview experts to try to help people, again, navigate what they need to do. The, the, the hardest part is that nobody is alike. You know, my mom's medical condition and my family's financial situation and every family dynamics, everything is so different so that I can't say, well, what, what I'm doing is exactly what you need to do. But 
Kim and I decided that let's talk to some experts and interview attorneys about power of attorney and wills. Let's talk to uh, to Medi- Medicare experts, uh, realtors about downsizing, kind of like what you said you used to do. Yeah, <laughs> you know, all, all kinds of people just to give people some ideas about who you know what the questions are they need to ask and who they should go to to talk to. So. The, the, to me, that was the biggest thing that, that we could add to the group was was that. And I thought that that was the main thing that people would be looking for because that's what I was was looking for is more information because I realized that I didn't have nearly the amount of information that I thought I did. But what I quickly found out after we started the group and people started joining was that so many people said, I'm so glad I found this group because I have felt so alone in this process. And it it, it made me realize that I, I like to compare it to having a baby to where, you know, when Kim and I had our first baby back in 1997, we had no idea what we were doing. You know, mm-hmm. most first time parents don't. That baby comes along and you figure out how to change the diaper. And after that, you're experimenting with everything. Oh, how do we get to sleep through the night? What do we do when it starts crying? What do we do when it has gas? We don't know. What do we do when it starts to crawl? What do we do when it starts to walk? But everyone under the sun comes to you with advice. Your neighbors, your friends, your relatives, your coworkers, everyone has advice because it's it's fun, it's exciting, good things are about to happen because you're going to get the, the, the baby to, to get older and get bigger and get better. But when it's your parent, no one likes to say, hey, how's mom's incontinence? Everything doing okay there? Yeah, you need some mm-hmm. diapers or anything? How's the depend situation? People don't talk about that. And, and because of that, you feel so alone because you don't have anyone to, to share this experience and get that help from that's very true that's you know i found um on my journey with my folks that there were two different groups i had you know lots of different social groups and they would all ask how are your folks doing but what i realized Mm -hmm. was one group really wanted to know how my folks were doing (laughs) and and the other and the other wanted to give me permission to never go back and see them because they were so so uncomfortable with the conversations and that just always blew my mind that it's like Mm -hmm. wow um we shouldn't be scared of this you know that's not Mm -hmm. that's not helping the situation out here (laughs) yeah yeah Mm -hmm. but 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 people don't like to talk about bad things yep you know it's usually something that that's kind of avoided you you, you, especially in a social get-together with your your neighbors your friends it's like yeah yeah, things are things are rough on me. Dad had to get a pacemaker. Mom's in memory care with, with uh, Alzheimer's. It's just not fun. How are you doing? It's, it's like, <laughs> yeah, kind of a downer yeah. conversation. Yeah. Oh, how hey. fast can we bring you down? Yeah. Debbie Downer, thanks for being here. <laughs> yep, exactly. It's very true, though. It's it's very very mm-hmm. true. Well, why don't why don't we talk about um, what is the name of your Facebook group as a whole? So if somebody wants to go visit, um, they can do that. It's Parenting Aging Parents, and the very easiest way to find it is just to go to our website, also named ParentingAgingParents.com, and on that, you will find all of the interviews we've done with experts that Mike mentioned so that you can you know, get some ideas about all the things that you didn't even know that you needed to know about, and there's also just right on the homepage, there's a button that leads right to join the community so that you can join the Facebook group. It's a private group, so that way it's safe and, and, and people can feel you know, like they had a safe place to be able to come and, and share insight, ask questions. Sometimes they just need to vent, get something off their chest. But it's just been amazing to see how people can help each other because I think that we just inherently, when I've learned, hey, here's this cool clock or here's a little technique that I used with my mom or here's something we're trying, we're, we're, we have a, a, a day timer and we're calling it her independence book and this is for her to write everything down to try to help uh, accommodates for some of the short-term memory challenges, you know, different things like that. If that's working, I, of course, want to be able to share that with somebody else because maybe it can help somebody else. So there's so much of that just engagement and interaction going on in the group where people can feel really, really supported. Uh, and I'm glad that you mentioned that it's private because I know a lot of times people worry about who's going to see this and what's big brother tracking, you know, me on out there and all of that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I think everyone's questioning what's really private these days. But, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, the the um, comfort that people get by not feeling alone in and of mm-hmm. itself is so it, it's such a beautiful gift that you're giving people. 
And, um, and, and I think also in these groups, people realize, because I think we all sit back and go, what, what do I know? You know, I, I'm just on this learning curve. But you always know mm-hmm. something more than somebody else, and you always know something mm-hmm. less than somebody else. And that really right. comes to the forefront. And it really empowers people to become more of an advocate and understanding that, you know, they have a lot of knowledge. They have a lot of compassion mm-hmm. and understanding. They've got a lot of you know, tips and tricks that they've learned that um, that they can actually share to help somebody else. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you guys found this in Europe, but I hear it a lot from other families where nobody in the family like really gets this. They kind of think they're all doing fine, <laughs> you know. And, mm-hmm. and you know, especially we a lot of us have family members that just choose not to be around so they don't see it or they come for a short period of time and it's not, it, you know, it, it doesn't kind of raise its ugly head. Um, some of the symptoms and things. And so they really feel alone when you, when they don't even have their family. And then when friends start mm-hmm. pulling away um, to get that new peer group that gets it, um, is huge, is absolutely mm-hmm. huge. So uh, kudos for you guys, uh, like I said, for for developing that. Um, let's talk a little bit about the emotional roller coaster and the toll it took on everybody in the family, because I would imagine from your mom, your dad, you know, your mom as well, Kim, I don't know if you have siblings and, and your children and yourself. There's so many different dynamics when this hits. And mm-hmm. I think sometimes we don't look at all of them and how everybody's affected. Um, can either of you speak to that? Yeah. One of the, one of the best things that we did was, was keep our kids involved. It wasn't like it was a secret, like, okay, Kim, don't talk about mama. Don't don't bring up the Alzheimer's with kids. Yeah, we didn't do that. We, we, but my son used to spend, when he was growing up, he would spend every summer, he would spend a week on the, we called it the farm, with uh, with my mom and dad. They owned six acres outside of Dallas, and kids would a you tractor. Know, you know, <laughs> drive the tractor and play basketball and fish, fish and all kinds of fun stuff. <clears throat> my son would go up every summer, and he came back one summer, I want to say, it was after either eighth grade or ninth grade, uh, and he's 25 now, so that gives you an idea about how long ago it was. And he, he came home, and he said um, – he, he kind of pulled me to the side and you know had a serious man-to-man talk with me and said, I'm worried about – he called my mom Graham. I'm worried about mm-hmm. Graham. She's not rem- she's not remembering things. And I'd already noticed that, that, that she was starting to slip a little bit, nothing major. But uh, I was like, Brandon, thank you. You know, yeah, we've, I think we're all going to have to work together because I'm afraid that, that Graham's got Alzheimer's and, and we're going to have to team up together. And and as he continued to get older and as my mom was getting worse, my dad was getting more stressed about things, He's he has jumped in to – he's gone up there a couple times with me to, to check on him. He has been on the phone with my dad to help a, a situation where, you know, Wi-Fi has gone out or he's lost the connection on his dish TV or anything like that to where – uh, again, having them involved, so it's not a case of uh, uh, go away. I've got to deal with this with 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 my parents, son. I'll, I'll talk to you later. It, it's been a team effort, and 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 my daughter as well. Uh, that she's she's known. Yeah, I need to get on the phone. I need to I need to call my my grandfather and and check on him. And she does. And it, it's just it's been a team effort, and that's really helped the entire family. And I think in our in our family too, just the, the things that have gone on, you know, keeping our kids and keeping our kids abreast with what's going on. With you know, they're very aware of mom moving and and my mom and and that kind of thing. And you know, and but but there is it is hard to manage some of those emotions sometimes. And what I've realized is that I often keep pushing forward and forget to take the time to you know kind of process which then often comes back and kind of bites you later. Uh, just a quick example, I, in June, moved within a 10-day period, I moved my daughter to New York City for a job and had to get her situated in a new apartment, came home, was home for three days trying to catch up on all the work I'd missed while I'd been gone the first four days, then went to, went to where my mom lives, which is in a different city than I am, uh, to move her to a new independent living community stay there for four days trying to get her acclimated and then came home and again, back-to-back meetings trying to catch up on everything. And then about two days later, I just said, Oh my gosh, I am beat. 
I am pooped. And I realized <laughs> that I've been running on adrenaline for, you know, for those 10 days trying to get everybody situated and worrying about like, are they, are they okay? And even while I was in New York, I was trying to uh, make sure my mom's move is still planned, you know, that things are moving ahead and keep reminding her to quit packing and, you know, <laughs> the things that she's doing that she wasn't supposed to be doing that I had to keep reminding her about. And, and I think for me, that's where a lot if you know everybody is different in how they manage that for me pushing forward and being busy and being needed helps me not have to stop and think about well this is really hard and sad with mom you know and so i think that sometimes you have to give yourself a little bit of permission to understand and realize that a lot of what we're going through with our aging parents is hard and it's sad because they maybe aren't able to take care of themselves like they used to they aren't able to be you know, they're, they've been our parents. Mom has been, has been, my parents got divorced when I was in high school. She was single for a really long time. She's fiercely independent because she had to be. And so now as we've had to take away some of that independence with, you know, taking over finances and some different things like that, it's been hard for that, but also it's hard to be able to see that we need to do that, you know, and, and when we're used to them taking care of business and getting things done and, being the one that we might ask for advice, it's really hard when you don't feel like that's really the person you can go to for advice anymore. And it's really hard. It's a, it's a big loss. It, it is a big loss. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a difficult thing. I used to call um, what I would do with my mom, and I didn't even realize it. Um, I'd call it freeze framing. Right? I'd want her to kind of stay in this ultimate um, place in time where I was comfortable, mm-hmm. and, yet she, and yet she mm-hmm. couldn't. And even though mm-hmm. I I would talk like I got it, emotionally, that's where I was still at. I thought, oh, my gosh, this is so unfair. Every I've changed. But, you know, my dad's dead. Mm-hmm. My mom's got dementia. I'm divorced. Nothing's the same. And yet I still have this huge emotional need for her to remain the same. And when I could step back and go, mm-hmm. nothing stays the same, Laura. You just have to appreciate what you have for mm-hmm. however long you have it. And then find value in in what you still have in your life, but that was uh, mm-hmm. that was a big surprise to me. Have you guys found kind of surprise moments in this journey, um, both probably on the plus and the negative side of things? Well, that's a good question. I I think the the biggest surprise for me has been the the learning curve, and how there's always something new to learn. And luckily, our, our group has helped me learn so much in, in so many different facets. But but just just a couple of weeks ago, somebody somebody gave me the tip about how, you know, thinking about how I, I knew that I had a, a visit with my mom coming up because I try to go up about once a month, once every six weeks or so to see her. And I knew I was going to go last week. And somebody said something about how, you know, the people who, who work in memory care places do such a great job of dealing with our loved ones who have Alzheimer's, dementia, you know, whatever it is they're, they're battling. And somebody said, you know, the, the thing is, is that while we see what is missing, they see what is still there. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I thought about that and realized, yeah, that is the, the, the emotional part for me is that when I visit my mom, I realize that she's not the same mom I had growing up. She's not the same mom I've had for, you know, for the first, I had for the first, you know, 50 years of my life. And things are different now, and, and, and I miss that part. But but I have to realize that there's a lot of her that is still there. So so when I got up there to visit her, and I was warned ahead of time because I, I went up to take my take my dad to a doctor's appointment, and then in the afternoon I went to go see my mom. Well, in the meantime, my sister went on her weekly visit to see my mom in the morning on that day, last uh, Wednesday. And she said, she she called us after the doctor's appointment, and we're talking to her, and she said, yeah, uh, mom's not having a good day. She doesn't remember who she is. She doesn't remember her name. She doesn't remember doesn't know why she's there. She doesn't remember me. She doesn't remember anything, and she's she's being very emotional about it. She's being very – she's having a hard day. I was like, oh, great. This is not going to be fun at all. So I get there, and I walk inside the, the front door of the memory care place, and somebody points to her and says, Jane, somebody here is seeing – she has that look, which anyone who knows someone with Alzheimer's knows that look of what what's going on? Who is this? Why? Yeah, such confusion in her eyes. And she she gets waved to, like, come, come here. And she walks toward me looking kind of you know, crazy, so to speak. And she says, 
She says, who are you? I said, I'm a, mom, it's Mike, your son. And she says, are you my brother? I said, no, I'm your son. And she said, why are you here? I was like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be a five-minute visit where I'm going to have to just tell her I love her and hug her and, and leave. But we go and we sit down, and I just started talking about things that I knew would make her smile. And I didn't focus on, on well, how come you don't remember me, Mom? How come you thought I was your brother? What What's going on? I didn't focus on any of that. I focused on what what is still there for her. And I, I talked about, even though she doesn't remember her name or my name, she she talked about uh, I talked about her granddaughter in New York City, and she started mm-hmm. smiling and 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 talking about that. And then the one about the only thing she remembers right now is her brother and her sister. Even her sister's passed away, but she'll bring up things from you know when she was growing up with them. Not not very much stuff, but that's about all she can remember now. And she'd bring up stuff about that, and we would laugh about it. And by the end, we were laughing about things, and we had a great visit, a great visit. And it's because I learned. I've learned to, to concentrate and focus on what's there and not on what's missing. What a beautiful story. That is so important because people always get so frustrated and so caught up and, and we get wrapped in a kind of our own ego and we, you know, we're hurt that how can somebody mm-hmm. not remember us? I remember my brother saying, how can she not remember me? I've been her son for 50 years, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I and I remember telling him, you know, Mark, look in the mirror. You look just like Uncle Chuck, her brother, when he was younger. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can see the yeah. confusion because she's gone back in time. Mm-hmm. And and yep. that's a compliment. She loved him. So, you know, letting that go and just knowing that you are a comfortable person for them to be around is huge because you know once once you're in that zone, uh, you can you can find the joy. You can create the joy. Um, and you can learn. I don't. I, I don't know about you guys, but I learned a lot about my folks um, on this journey that I wouldn't have learned. And the stories that I have, and even my friends have told me over the years, I'm kind of jealous. You really know your parents mm-hmm. much more than mm-hmm. than I know mine. And I thought that was really interesting um, for them to look at it like that. They're like, I, my folks are healthy. I don't have any of these stories that you have. We don't have this closeness. We we check in, but your stories are so intimate, and you you mm-hmm. seem to be so connected. Um, Kim, do, do you feel that way with your mom? I. I, I think this the challenge with my mom is that she's always actually had a challenge with remembering, you know, even when my when my kids were born and our daughter was super sassy as a little girl and I just said, you know, Mom, I don't think I was sassy like that, but obviously I don't remember, was I? And she's like, You know, I don't really know. So, <laughs> so I think she so she's never had a she's never had just a great uh long term memory, if you will, as far as just mm-hmm. remembering specifics. So I think that I think the the kind of difficult part for me now is that when I ask her questions where I'm trying to dig, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't really, she doesn't have strong feelings or strong stories to share. So I think that I I did learn a lot about my grandparents lived to be 95 and 98 and were very sharp until really the very end. And so I was able to learn some stories from them, but it it has been hard because I, I haven't been able to get the um, I feel like I have to be very careful that I don't that I don't spend more of a conversation scolding or mm-hmm. feeling like mom you know like where I'm having to be very firm and okay 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 are you in the inbox why are you deleting stuff out of the important information folder again like don't like why are you digging around in the spam folder <laughs> <You know? laughs> where she's where she's raising questions about I got this email about blah 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 a PayPal account I'm like mom no it's spam why are you digging in the spam folder you know in your in your uh, email so I have to I have to I, I have to really check myself so that I don't get into in some ways mothering or overly parenting and being too kind of firm like that, because I think it, it can it can get frustrating for us, right? As we're trying to, oh my gosh, we spent it took us thirty minutes to get this one little one doctor's appointment changed on your calendar and a transportation form filled out because we're in, since we're in different cities, you know. And I think, okay, I need to be patient. I need to be patient. So it, it has really for me been a a big test of patience, I think, and also just thinking that even though. I know my mom helped my grandparents some. 
I think it was different just because they didn't have any cognitive issues, which I, I do think add a whole nother layer. So I think that's been something that I wasn't as prepared for is just the physical time that it takes. And and even with me living out of town where I don't, you know, there were some days like the other day, there was something that I just thought, oh my gosh, if I was in town, I could have just gone and run over, fixed that issue, written that stuff down for her and been done with it rather than spending, you know, 45 minutes on the phone. But so, you know, I, I can't do some of that hands-on caregiving on a daily basis as I might mm-hmm. if I was in town. But I think that's been just one of the things is that you really do have to be patient and know that it's just going to take time to schedule appointments and manage things and all of that where I don't know that I necessarily expected. That was maybe a little bit surprising to me, uh, just the time that it takes. And and the distraction, well, the mental distraction as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, and when you're a long distance caregiver and then you're a long distance caregiver for someone who is, as they say nowadays, living a solo life, you know, doesn't have that that partner with them to kind of double check in on. And I don't know if there's other family or friends that she lives around that you can communicate with. Sometimes that works. Sometimes that doesn't. But again, you you kind of just feel that that load on your shoulders, no matter what. I, I know when it yes. comes to to the email, some people have gotten added to the email, so the email also drops into their box, so they can they can delete the spam, they can delete the deleted oh, stuff, and kind of well, control I, I that from think, a distance. Yes, yeah, I actually am just logged into her account, so at all mm-hmm. uh, at all times. So I'm going in usually at least once or twice a day to delete, make sure all the spam is deleted. Make sure that stuff that's in the inbox, because there is there are so many very legitimate looking scams, which is so frustrating uh, for all of us. I mean, we get that we get them, too. But, yeah, so that's one little tip I have is that I actually log into my mom's email and I can help monitor and check that. And one of the things that we did several years ago is that we did finally convince, although it was ended up being her idea, which was even better. But she did move to independent living about uh about four, about three years ago from her house where she was by herself and wasn't able to drive anymore. And so being an independent living has been huge in giving her things to do, people to talk to, activities, meals that are made for her and all of that. And we just, in the move that I mentioned earlier, just got her moved to a new place that is that is closer to my brother who is in the same city. So that will be nice for him to be, you know, three minutes away versus 30. And so um, that will that will be really good. But yeah, just having people and 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 you know finding a, a caregiver that can help just kind of manage her her medicine and things like that just help just know that there's other eyes on her too, which is really good. Yeah, yeah, it's you know it's just tough. I have you done anything with um, like video conferencing with her? Is she able to do that? We. <laughs> We 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 FaceTime a lot, which is more just out of which is fun because she can see us, but more mm-hmm. because I'm saying, Mom, show me the computer screen or show me the paper that you're talking about. <laughs> it's it, it's sometimes a comical exercise because you know what you're showing is different than what they're seeing and all that. But yeah, so we we actually do a lot of FaceTiming. Uh, there have been we actually were testing a device that was pretty interesting that allows for that. But she is still capable of having her cell phone and and where we can FaceTime and and that kind of thing. Which I do think so I can I can look at her. Oh yeah, you got your hair done. It looks great. Okay, what are you wearing today? You know, so I can kind of get mm-hmm. get eyes on her so that I can make sure she's taking good care of herself. And she's still very independent. You know, as far as living and independent living and being able to do a lot of the things. We're just working on just that short-term memory, uh, but even still, it's funny things that I mentioned once, she'll re- repeat back to me you know, over and over and over again, and then you know, we've been having one conversation about why she doesn't have a checkbook for like the last four years, <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> over and over and over again, but yet she'll say like, oh, I had lunch with so-and-so you know, that was from the, our old neighborhood, and you know, it's, just, it's, just, it's just so fascinating what is remembered and what sticks and what doesn't, and Mike, Mike had heard a great example uh, about the Swiss cheese. Yeah, I call it Swiss cheese. Sometimes you hit a hole, sometimes you hit the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it's uh, well. Every day is a little bit different. You know, every moment's a little mm-hmm. different. What works one day mm-hmm. might not work the next. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any particular? I can't believe we only have like 15 minutes left um, on the show. Um, are there any particular tips that you guys want to give our audience? I know you've given quite a few already, but I, I always want to make sure that we get that content out to people and encourage them to to visit you. Um, so, Mike, any anything that you think enough? Well, you know, we love to share five tips for everyone to, whether you're already in the process or someday you're going to be in the process of just having aging parents. It doesn't have to necessarily be Alzheimer's or dementia, just because so much of it is so tough to deal with. And if you're not prepared, it makes it even harder. So one of the first things that we say is make sure that you talk with your siblings, because if you're on the same page with your siblings, it helps so, so much. And you know, mm-hmm. you sort of know which relationship you know can communicate this with my mom. I know there's things that if my brother tells her, she listens better than if I tell her. And there's other things that if I tell her, she might listen better than if he tells her. So just kind of knowing, you know, what which which sibling can can come in and and, and talk about different things that it makes such a huge difference. And the challenge, of course, with any family is that there are so many different family dynamics, personalities you know, things that happened when we were kids or as adults, you know, all of that sort of come back into play, comes into play. But just making sure that your siblings are aligned makes things so much easier because if they're not, it can really make things so, so complicated. Yeah. Second thing that we say to talk about is housing. And and I'll have to admit that, that my family didn't do that. We're, we're very close. We're very open, but we'd never really talked about, okay, where do y'all want to live someday? You know, even before my mom started showing her Alzheimer's stages, I think we we just thought, okay, you're going to live out here on the farm. And, forever. Uh, yeah, forever. And w- when when my sister and I first started talking to my dad about moving into independent living, he was okay with it and looking at places, but he was very resistant in some ways because he pictured a nursing home like my grandfather lived in back in the 80s, mm-hmm. which is not something – not a place you'd want to live in. You know, it's almost like a hospital. And that, that's kind of what he pictured. And once he realized, oh, no, this independent living place is nice. There's things to do. There's people around. There's activities. There's food. Oh, yeah, this is this is really nice. But you need to start those conversations early because it's just amazing how many people who are in our group, they've never talked about it, and their father and their mothers are so resistant to living anywhere besides mm-hmm. their house. Mm-hmm. So just helping to know what are they even open to, you know, if you find yourself in a situation where you can't afford to stay at home and have 24-7 care, you know, what are you, what are you open to? And I think so many of these conversations are better when we can do them. This is, you know, hindsight always is when, when it's not in a crisis, when it, when it can almost be kind of a, not, not lighthearted, but a little bit, you know, it's like, it's hey, casual. Just, but, but a casual conversation way before it's needed so that you've at least had them bring up some of these discussions. You know, what would you even be open to? You know, do you want to come live with me? You know, do you want me to come live with you? You know, what are, what are, what would kind of be your desires? And I think that part of this is, is also part of the whole, legal conversation, you know, and this, again, better to ask when it's not necessary, but when you're just sort of wanting to make sure ducks are lined up, but, you know, do they have the power of attorney? Do they have a will? Do they have medical directives? Do they have all of those pieces? Because the challenge with so many of those is that if you wait until you need it, it's too late. And so Mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, having those conversations when you can are really important. And and that's the third thing is legal, is, is talking about those things, making sure you have a will, a power of attorney, because but then it's too late. The, the fourth thing is finances. And it doesn't mean you have to be completely open and know down to the penny what your parents have, but have some sort of idea about, okay, do they get Social Security money? Do they have any pension money? What kind of investments do they have? Do they owe money anywhere? Yeah, I, I like to kind of laugh about the fact that my dad was an accountant for 49 years and very, 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 and I can't say the word very enough, private about his money. <laughs> And as I was growing up, I had no idea how much money he had. I know I had no idea how much money he made. And the one time when I was with him and he bought a car and we're in the office for finances and uh, the person at the dealership says, uh, Mr. Barnes, uh, okay, we need to know how much money do you make? And my dad looks at him and says, how much do I need to, how much do I need to make to, to buy this car? And the guy gives him a number and my dad says, that's how much I make. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's interesting. Okay. But, but uh, you know, my dad has realized that my sister and I need to know 
you know, the financial situation for, for him and for my mom as they've gotten older and as they've moved into independent living, as my mom's moved into memory care. And they're paying and, a lot of money. They're paying a lot of money for, for rent twice a month. So, so, you know, my dad being an accountant kind of goes a little overboard. He sends my sister and me quarterly statements showing basically is down to the penny, you know, what they have, but it, it helps so much to where you, where it's not a case of where, it's time to find an independent living place. And, oh my gosh, I found one that's going to be four thousand dollars a month. This is great for you, mom and dad. And they're like, uh, we have two thousand dollars a month total in social security and no savings. How can we live here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, know, mm-hmm. you, you don't you don't put yourself in that situation, mm-hmm. and that is mm-hmm. very beneficial. And the last thing is passwords. <laughs> you know, do you know oh, your yeah. mom's iPhone password, or do you have you taken it off? I mean, that's one of the things yeah. I did when I was there last week was oh my gosh why do you have Some, a password? someone put it on and I, take she, it off. she doesn't know how it got on there but she had a password and thankfully she at least remembered it but uh but you know how did that happen but, i don't know i always like to say if something happens to, to dad like he's my dad as an example if something happened to my dad and, and suddenly he's in the hospital and and incapacitated who's paying his bills and how because he mm-hmm. gets most of his bills online. Uh, online or he gets some in, you know, maybe at the post office he's got a p.o box so where's the key to the p.o box but if he gets them online can you get into his email? And once you get the, the bill, can you get into his bank account to pay it? Or are you going to have to figure out a way around things? Again, planning, just planning for the future to eliminate that headache so that you can concentrate on the crisis at hand. Oh, that's so true. I was looking at, you know, do, updating my own stuff, and I didn't know that there's now a legal form for passwords. And I'm like, why don't they just add a line onto the power of attorney? You know, they, they have yeah. access to these. Oh no, that that's would be true. too. That would be too simple, you know, to do that. But you know, and I thought, oh my gosh, I mean, I have pages of passwords, you know, for mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh-huh. and of course, they can't, they can't be the same because you're getting bumped to change them all the time. And and with me, uh, mm-hmm. I don't I don't necessarily trust the thumb drives or that Google's going to remember everything because I don't necessarily trust yeah. them, you know. So it's I've, it's, I've all, got... it's all of those levels. Don't say that. <laughs> Mike's about to say that he only has like two. No, 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 no. I was going to say I've got two pages. I've got two pages of passwords for my dad, and he'll call me and say, "Hey, what's my password for this?" <laughs> so I know his password is better than he yeah. has. So at least he's not changing them. My mom will go in and change them and forget to tell me and, you know, and forget that she did it. So that's another challenge. But uh, yeah, there's just, it's a lot, there's a lot to manage. And Mm -hmm. the more, the more that we can help our parents see that it's a gift for us to be able to better assist them. I hope that that helps them feel less threatened. Cause I think that there are some parents and we see this in our group all the time where we'll have the adult children who are saying, you know, my parents just say it's none of their business to know if I have a will or how much money I make. And the, the challenge is, is while they're in super independent, maybe that's okay. But when, when you need to be able to sit, you can't really be a very good help if they are in the hospital and you can't ask the doctor for questions, you know, have questions and things like that. So I think helping to see, and, and maybe it's also setting example, you know, in some ways, We've tried to set an example with our children or, or, or even that's been a way to be able to bring it up, you know, with maybe your parents that, hey, we've been taking care of our documentation and making sure that we have all of this taken care of. Just maybe realize that I've never asked you about that. You know, so trying to think of ways that, that are little inroads to be able to start those conversations and have those conversations where they don't come from a place of, okay, we have this checklist and do you have a will and where is it and how much are you going to leave for me and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's not that at all. It's more of a, you know, hey, when, if I need to be able to help, can you make it so that it'll be easier for me to be able to assist? Yeah. With, with my folks, um, my husband and I actually said, how about if we do this with you? We'll, we'll update and do all of our stuff. Cause it's not uh-huh. about end of life. It's about smart living. And, you know, exactly. we talk about everybody wants to have control. Well, you're not going to have control if you don't tell us what the heck you want, <laughs> you know, and, and if right. it's not, and if it's not legally documented the way it needs to be, you know, in today's world. And um, yeah. there is, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this, but um, compassion in, uh, let's see, what is it? Yeah, I think it's compassionate care. Um, they have a really good add-on tool for healthcare directives. And it's for mm-hmm. it's it's labeled a dementia tool, but really it's for anybody because it talks about 
you know, what if you can't get out of bed? What if you're incontinent? What if you can't speak? And, you know, all of these different variable things. And then it gives you like five different levels of care. And you go through them and mm. say, okay, what level of care if this hit me, if this hit me, if this hit me? But then it gives you the opportunity to say, well, if these two things happen to me, would that change the level mm. of care? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. detailed, and yet it's really easy. And, I mean, it can happen if somebody has a stroke or is in a car accident or, you know, at any age, these things. And, right. you know, I, right. I would love to see this conversation be taught in the schools and, you know, have kids walk out with powers of attorney and healthcare directives, um, you know, as graduation gifts, you know, for mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. because because yeah. life has just changed. And I think when when we can get that message across that it's not about being old, it's not about end of life, it's not about being different, it's about being the same. And we all need this stuff. Mm-hmm. This is just mm-hmm. this is just smart living. So these are really really. Um, very good um, tips. And again, you don't know what you need until you need them. And then usually you're in crisis. And when when you're already spinning in crisis, you just don't need another level to deal with. Exactly. If you could have one of of the things that we also created kind of in line with that is like we created a a guide, a book um, that's basically a fill in the blank workbook that asks you all these questions. And do you know where the passport is? Do you know if they have an alarm code? Do you have, you know, do you know the passwords? And it really was, in many ways for me, because I was trying to keep track of all these sticky notes and loose leaf pieces of paper that the things I was managing for my mom so that we can have it all in one place so that when you do have that crisis, you can just go to your book and you're, and you, and you know, here, I, I know I have their medications. I know I have their doctor's names. I know who needs to be mowing the grass when they're gone for, you know, in the, if they're in the hospital mm-hmm. for a week or, you know, those kinds of things. So, you know, really just to be able to help you be as prepared as possible so that you can focus on the crisis at hand and not be, trying to scramble and find out all this other information at the same time. Exactly. Exactly. Well, this has just been a wonderful conversation. We've got um, just a little under four minutes left. Any, any other tips or uh, things that you guys want to talk about? I think one of the biggest things, again, goes back to, to not feeling alone and knowing mm-hmm. it's okay to talk to other people about it. And, and one of the best things for, for me, you know, besides having Kim to talk to, but one of my good friends uh, found out, again, it's not something that we, we purposely talked about because it's not something that you bring up. But, uh, but we, we figured out that his dad has Alzheimer's. My mom has Alzheimer's. So we started talking about things, and we realized that my mom was in stage time and his dad was in stage six. And, he, you know, we talked about things, and he talked about, you know, here's what to expect when your mom goes into stage six. And, Here's what's going to be going on. And as my mom went into stage six was when his dad went into stage seven. And as my mom's getting worse and worse and worse, his dad passed away last year. And, and I was able to, to talk to him about that. And, and, and just having someone, again, to, to, to not to, I'd say to experience things with, but to, to have someone who you can share things with and know who, who knows what you're going through. Because yep. that's the hardest part because there's there's so much emotion involved. When I talk to my dad, and I talk to my dad multiple times every day, for one, because we're very close, but for two, because he's lonely because my mom now lives a, a mile and a half away, and they've been married for 62 years. But but trying to, to know how, to, how to, to help someone who has lost their loved one like my dad has, even though she's still alive and he visits her, two or three times a week, it's still, you know, how do I deal with this and how do I deal with visiting her and how do I make it? Cause, cause when, when she was first in member care, she was mad at my dad. I can't believe you put me here. You must have a girlfriend. This is terrible. And then, you know, 30 minutes later, she'd be saying, oh, are you doing okay? I've been worried about you. She's like, well, you know, what happened? It's like, That's <laughs> Alzheimer's. But, but, but knowing, knowing how to redirect, knowing how to, to, to be okay with what they say and not take it the wrong way. And, and again, but, but bouncing that off of other people so that, that you can understand what, what's coming and what to expect so that there aren't terrible surprises that make things even more emotional because it's already emotional as it is. And I think also just giving yourself a little bit of grace because when we get, sometimes thrown into the situation because you know maybe there's something sudden happens or maybe it's something like in uh in both of our cases where it's been a little bit of a slow going process 
but I think it's giving yourself a little bit of grace because I think inherently as a, you know, we have children. So as a parent, I feel like I should always know the answers, but even as we're parenting our aging parents, we don't know all the answers because we've never done this before. And so just know that there are things to learn. There are resources available. There are people who can help you and that you can have that community because you can't expect yourself to already understand all of this and know all of this and be expert already about the differences between Medicare and Medicaid and Medicare and Medicare Advantage and blah, 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 you know, all this stuff that just makes your head spin a little bit. And maybe you didn't ever think that you even wanted to ever know about. So just giving yourself that permission to be able to ask questions and ask for help and look for communities that can help support you, I think is really important. Oh, I agree. And I want to give people your uh, website and Facebook uh, page again. Again, it's ParentingAgingParents.com, ParentingAgingParents.com. And if you just plug in Parenting Aging Parents in your search uh, bar on Facebook, you will be able to find Mike and Kim Barnes. Thank you both for being with us. This has just been a lovely conversation, and you've just done a wealth of information. So thank you again. Thanks for having us. Our pleasure. And to our audience, don't re- don't forget to like, click, and share. There's always someone in your circle needing information. Well, hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families, too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.